0: Bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, we, we got the buzz. Turn down the what? Welcome in, Youth Nation.
1: I'm so happy to be here with you again on another swoop Saturday podcast presented by the Hive Sports. I am your host, Zach Rieger. And believe it or not, I am not alone in the studio today, not alone on today's podcast. If you remember from last week, I mentioned that, you know, we'd have a guest to come on and we absolutely do. The founder and CEO of the Hive Sports, Daniel Olson, is on. We have a ton to talk about today, Daniel. How are you doing on this beautiful Swoop Saturday?
0: I'm doing great, and I'm just excited to, yeah, talk talk about some use, like um, whether it's basketball or maybe we'll get that F word in there, you know?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll, though, we'll see if we can squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It truly is the best day of the week. It's Swoop Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, before we dive too much into the sports. I, I really have to ask you, I'm very curious about this. How has the weather been in Utah? Because here in Missouri, here in the Midwest, it's been crazy cold. This whole week's been cold, I feel like, the entire country. How is it in Utah?
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's
1: a good question,
0: because, yeah, I've seen even, like, te- Texas has been having yeah, be te- crazy weather. Texas
1: which... is struggling right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot in the news there. Um, let's see, right now, as I'm recording, it's 36 degrees. Um, But yeah, we've had um, some scattered snow. It's not like super heavy like blizzard, but it seems like it's um, earlier, like last week, I think the snow was almost like hail. Like it would just melt as soon as it hit the ground. But it was starting to stick a little more and get a little more cold. But it's looking like in the forecast like it's it's just going to get into the 30s and hopefully 40s next week for the high. So I'm hoping that it'll be spring soon because because that means spring football right
1: absolutely my alma mater Semo, we got SCS football coming up in the spring i'm very excited about it (laughs) and yeah it's it's been crazy here in the midwest it's weird over in utah it's even warmer than it is here it's been single digits except for like the past couple days where i think it's been weird because the sun's been out but it's been like 19 degrees and it feels like warm out. It, it's crazy how quick you adjust to the cold weather, but we're getting back up there. And I think this weekend here is supposed to be in like the forties, uh, getting up into the fifties, I think next week. So it, it's crazy that Midwest weather,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but it, yeah, yeah. I, I had to ask cause it's, it's unprecedented what's been going on so far. So anyways, we'll, we'll get back to uh, sports. Cause that's what we're all about. That's why we're here. Uh, on today's yeah. episode, we're going we're, we're going to touch on the running youth. It was a tough week for them last week with a close loss to Stanford, and on Thursday, Oregon State ended up winning pretty handsomely. Uh, so don't worry, youth nation. We won't touch too much on those games. We won't dwindle and just stay super long, uh, but we'll we'll still mention them. We'll give you a little bit of analysis, but after that, we'll get back to talking about that F word. We're back to football. I know you missed it. I missed it. But, I mean, does football season truly ever end, Dan? I, I don't think so.
0: No, I mean, now it's <laughs> just like, um, yeah, we're there's a lot of talk about the NFL draft and just kind of reminiscing about past seasons. So and there's contract
1: talks. Like, yeah, there's always something going on. Yeah, and especially with the NFL, this is such an unprecedented year as well with the quarterback position. Already, like the offseason truly hasn't started yet. And already, Matt Stafford's moved, Carson Wentz has moved. Like it, and like I said, normally, like March is kind of when the free agency frenzy happens, but we're not even there yet. And already, it's been a crazy offseason. So it, it truly never ends. But I, in this episode, I'm going to be ranking my top 10 youth in the NFL of 2020 with Dan's help, of course. And they're, they're, Will probably be some honorable mentions, possibly some non youth, which I know this is a youth podcast, but we got to show some love for the state. You know, there's a lot of good other players out there. And then possibly some, you know, rants and rambles as we've probably already had so far today. So actually, most likely there will be some rambles, but you got to embrace those. That's what makes the podcast so great. And but the last thing I got to get into before we get into this list, I promise it's the last thing. Be sure to follow us on social media. You know, it's a simple message I say it every week. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Hive Sports. Follow our Facebook page. Join the Insiders Facebook group. You don't want to miss a thing. We're putting so much great content out there. You can follow me on Twitter at ZachRieger18. Be sure to follow Dan at USU The Right Blue. And, I mean, like, Daniel, Daniel I, I need you to explain to them how much they're missing out on if they're not following our accounts. So like it. There's just way too much uh, out there that we're putting out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely the Hype Sports is where we focus more on our sports and, 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 our, and our personal accounts. It's kind of fun to just, like, you know, interact with the other fans and joke around, and I don't know. I, I, I like doing that. Like, I saw something that was trending on Twitter this week where say, you, you say, like, um, based on how I look, like, what, what band do um, you think I – would describe me or something, and, and so I, I think, um yeah. At first, I kind of just put a, a GIF of of Brad Pitt because I I don't <laughs> think I look like him, but I've heard that comparison, so I was just joking around, and then there you go, I was like, okay, I, now I'm here <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But then I I put my real one on, and I think I even did it with with the High Sports logo, I put it on there. But we'll have to get more people commenting on that. Like, if the High Sports was a band, like, what would it be? Like some type of Utah related band or something like that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll definitely be able to come up with something. And, yeah, social media is just so great for, yes, we're putting out a ton of content on, you know, how Utah kids are doing. But we're also here, you know, to have fun, to interact with you guys. We're we're not going to be those accounts that you never hear from if you comment on our stuff. Like, we want that. We're encouraging that. Like, give us a follow. Uh, It's a win-win for everyone, I think. It gets you more involved with Utah sports, gets you, I mean, gives you more people to talk to, more accounts. It's just fantastic. Uh, you guys need to do it. But let's get into the show. But once again, be sure to follow us on all social media. You will not regret it. I promise you. Oh, guys. yeah.
0: And and also, we'll, we'll follow back. IFB. Oh,
1: <laughs> yep. Hashtag team follow back. All day, every day. <laughs> oh, all right. right. All right. So let's get into basketball. It was a tough week. Like I said, very tough week. Uh last episode I talked briefly about the Stanford game, trying to get a bit of a preview on forcing my prediction. Didn't have the same lesson we did uh during the football season when I got three game like three score predictions that were like within ten points of what actually was. It it was wrong. It, it was a bit of a sloppy game against Stanford. I mean, the end result, it was pretty close. It was 73-66. Uh, those sloppy. Like, a lot of turnovers on, on both sides. It wasn't just Utah. And I, I really think Utah could have had this one, and I think they played better. But they just could not shoot the ball. And, like, those shooting numbers, like, when you look at them, it's kind of impressive that it was such a close game. Because, I mean, like, it sounds bad, but it's kind of true. They shot 42 from the field and then 26 from three, at like, 26%. Like, it was – that it's tough to get woods when you're shooting like that. And, uh, like I said, it was a close game, like, pretty sloppy. But, I mean, I, I think Utah could have had it. it. It was just kind of a tough loss since Utah was so hot. Dan, do you have any thoughts on the Stanford game?
0: Um, no, a ton. Yeah, it was kind of close and just – um, after the week when they, they beat my wildcats and then uh, at point they beat, um, Cal, um, it was just kind of a, a down week, um, starting with Stanford. So, so last week, if you listen to last week's podcast, I remember you were pretty hyped about, oh man, you, the youth are turning it around and they did for a bit, but I think just the inconsistency is kind of the bug that's been biting them a little bit. And, and yes, when you score just 66 or 56, like, their defense is going to have to step up a lot more than they have been. Like Their defense isn't bad, but I feel like their offense needs to be good in most of the games that they win. Like like they scored 73 against Arizona and 76 against Utah. So the 60s, 50s, I don't know. if That usually cuts it for for most of their games. Um, just looking at the games that they have won, they've all been a little bit higher scoring games in the 70s.
1: Yeah, I agree. Utah's defense is pretty good. Not necessarily – I don't know, like, statistics-wise how good they are, but when you actually watch them, like, they're, they're a good defense. They they like to be physical, you know. Even on the offensive side, they like to get the ball inside. And, that, and one of the things that really strikes me with them struggling so much shooting, like, these past couple games, is, like, Utah prides itself on, you know, being physical and taking, like – high-percentage shots, and so, like, I wasn't able to watch all these games in full, so I I kind of did my best to, you know, keep up with the game cast, uh, you know, watch as many highlights as I could, you know, kept up as best as I could, but it's hard for me to, like, comprehend with them shooting this poorly, and, uh, you know, with them trying to hit high-percentage shots, And even heading into Oregon State when they put up 56 points, which you're not going to win a lot of games putting up 56 points, especially in a Power 5 conference. And the shooting actually got worse. They were 38% from the field and 16.7% from three. They only made three three three-pointers, and they shot 18 of them. The only reason why I give this one a little bit more of a leeway is just because Oregon State was four of 18 from three. So they weren't much better, but like it, you can't win games when you're shooting like this. And I was, I was very hyped with Utah last year or last week, and I, I mean, I still am. Like you've seen what they can do when they get everything going, but I, I don't know what the fix is. Dan, you know basketball a little bit better than I do. I don't know how to fix. I know like basketball, you get in your slumps every now and then, but I mean, shooting from 42 and 38 percent from the field in back-to-back games—that's that's a tough stretch. Yeah. Um, and I don't
0: know, with with coaching, it, it's hard to say, because I've kind of harped a lot in coaching, and I've gone back and forth. And so I feel like the the coach, like, the players get the credit when they win, and the coach gets the blame when they lose sometimes. And and so Larry Kay, I've kind of put him on the hot seat. And in and, and one article, I hated to do this because some Aggie fans were a little mad, but I was saying, <laughs> hey, if – Hey, maybe they should look at hiring Craig Smith. But and, and not the, I I would hate that because then the Aggies might not be as good, but like he, he's a really good um coach. But then Larry, I mean, he got into the Sweet Sixteen about five or six years ago, but I think mm-hmm. that's back when they, they they had some some better um yeah, like the NBA the talent. Hurdle. Yeah, Yakub. Yeah, Jelan Wright, like but 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 when they don't have those guys, I mean, even with Kuzma, I think they were an NIT team. So now mm-hmm. without like really, I don't I don't see anybody right now that looks like an NBA, like a guy that could be in the draft. So I mean, this might be like a CIT or just like a nothing, unless they can make a run in the in the conference tournament. Because I mean, I mean, but there's always an auto bid up for grabs if they mm-hmm. can find ways. And, and you know who, who knows they might um pipe us up again and and beat oregon tomorrow i mean or as we're recording this like so it looks like they're playing at 7 p.m on saturday night um and and yeah oregon's like the third in the pac 12 so they can beat Uh a a team that's usually pretty good like oregon like a tournament team like that might get hooked up a little bit more oregon
1: too yeah (laughs) if it's at oregon too which makes it even tougher Yeah, I see
0: ESPN gives the youth a 23.2% chance. Mm -hmm. So not great, but I mean, the youths have won. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's usually a good team. I mean, Arizona's down a little bit this year. It's kind of weird saying, because in the 90s, I remember, Arizona won the title in 97, and we won't talk too much about 98, but, like, the youths were were pretty close. They made it pretty far. Um, But, Yeah. It's crazy to see and, how things change within um, a couple of decades.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they even have the same coach, and he's been crazy successful, has had, like, number one seed teams. But then, like, going back to what you said about the Pac-12 tournament, that's one of the things I love about Cobb's basketball and, like, their system with the March Madness and getting into it. Like, it, I still think with the Pac-12, like, it's not super likely the youth go on a run and, you know, win the Pac-12 tournament. But you can't rule it out at the same time. I still think the Pac-12 is really anyone's game. Like, there's not like a clear front runner. You have your top tiers, and I put Utah in more of kind of the middle tier. But I mean, it, it's anyone's game. And like I said, like Utah when they have when they have everything going, and they're a very young team too. So while I do agree with you that you know as of now you kind of look at it, there's not a ton of maybe NBA talent that gets drafted right away. But they're very young as well. And I think Brendan Carlson's a guy I've talked about a lot. He's just a sophomore and he's he's seven foot with a very smooth jump shot from the mid range. And he can even shoot the three some. So I'm I'm excited about him and see if he can develop within the next couple of years. But I mean that, this year it's been it's been very up and down <laughs> for Utah but Tough week. Hopefully they can bounce back. It will be tough at Oregon, but I mean, we'll we'll see what Coach K can do.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see, and and hopefully that goes good. um But but yeah, um but, but, but so basketball. I mean, the, I I've seen it, it's weird how the fan base. um I think they almost need something to hype up the fan base because I see a lot of negative tweets, and we gotta be positive, nation. But like, I I, I understand it cause like. I I I know when the Jazz are down when the youth are down and it just people aren't um as hyped about it. Like but so it seems like a lot more youth fans are talking about the Jazz or just saying like I'm giving up on youth basketball but like stay stay the course. I mean we'll, we'll, the youth will be back and have um have their day. Um and the Pac twelve can be tough and I mean we've seen success at first but yeah, we just have a slump, we gotta get out of uh
1: huh. And all right. So, I mean, last thing before we get into football, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. They're very young, uh, and I mean they've been hit or miss. Uh, but we've seen when they're on, and you just gotta think with them being uh young and with it being kind of a COVID season. Like, I, I don't I don't like placing a lot of blame on things. I don't like making excuses, but with a young team, like it, it's not easy. And so that's why I think it took so long to get to, like, where they are. Like, when they went on that run in the middle of the season, like, it took a little bit of time. Now, I, I don't know what the reason was for them kind of falling off a little bit. But, I mean, they're good. Uh, bringing up the Jazz is kind of kind of tough because the Jazz have just been so good. Uh, so, I mean, everyone's kind of rooting for them. And, I mean, that, that's been fun to watch and been a fun experience. But we enough basketball. It's we're already like twenty minutes in. This is fantastic. Oh yeah, I love it. We'll go.
0: We'll zip through all those. I mean, yeah. So so you,
1: you wanted to do? You have a top ten, right? And, and I yep. I do have a top ten. And let me just ask you on the scale of one to ten, since we haven't. How excited are you to hear this list? It's been a while. We haven't talked about these guys in a minute. How are you feeling heading into this? Oh
0: man, so like I'm. <laughs> I would say eleven, but that's man mathematically impossible. So yeah, ten. Like I'm excited to see where you rank yours and and mine I kinda just have a, a list and I'm i I'm still might rank it mine as we go but yeah I'm excited to hear yours first. Absolutely.
1: Let's get into it. Coming at number ten and I, I do have a lot of kind of surprises. Like if you have asked me like last week when I was like trying started looking into the list and getting things going, I would have like told you things so opposite, so different than what things actually turned out to be. So many surprises, but I mean, that's what we're here for. Like, I love it. Like, and, and I love that you said 11, because that was the answer I was looking for. I was looking for above 10. I was hoping you would break the scale, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> covenant number 10, kind of a surprise. Devontae Booker gets on the list. He uh, He played in all 16 games. And he had a much better season than a lot of people expected. I loved Devontae Booker even before I started writing for the Hive, before I started doing these podcasts. There was just something about Devontae Booker running the ball, coming into the NFL. I loved watching him play. But with the Broncos, he, you know, he had a couple good games but never really got a, a bunch of traction. And so now heading to a second team in Vegas. And it was a loaded backfield. I remember I did my fancy episode, and I threw him in as, like, a deep flyer. I was like, yeah, he probably won't be have much fancy relevance this year, but, you know, he's a youth that you can keep your name on. And he actually had a few fancy relevant games, which was pretty great. Uh, but no one knew who Josh Jacobs' backup was going to be heading into the season because they just had such a deep running back core. And... Once well, the season started, it was Devontae Booker, and he looked good. He wasn't just a guy that would come in and spill Josh Jacobs. Like he, he could carry the load. And when Josh Jacobs would miss the game, like he, he played, he played well. Uh, his end of season stats: he had 93 rushes, 423 yards, so that's like a 4.5 yard average. Nothing crazy, but not bad at all. And then he had three touchdowns on the season. Best game was definitely against Denver, where he rushed. 16 times for 81 yards, giving it a five-yard average, which is fantastic, and then two touchdowns. Uh, well, one kind of side note on that? Is Josh Jacobs also had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, Denver just did not bring the run be that game. But regardless, Devontae Booger had plenty of games where he looked good, and for him to make my top ten, I would not have guessed that heading into the season. But he looked good, and I'm excited to see you uh he should stay in the same role next year and we'll see if he gets any more touches yeah that's
0: that's awesome yeah it's good to hear Devonte's name again that um <laughs> i'm glad he made the top 10 because i i was doing top five and i do not remember but um but yeah i think he's definitely a top 10 he's one of the many many um Former the, the guys at RBU, which is the the youth's nation, you know they they produce a lot of good running backs. Yeah, <laughs> out, of the, out yeah. of the west, we'll say west of the Mississippi, like the youths, yeah. like the running back you,
1: <laughs> RBU West. I like it.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, so then coming at number nine, kind of a surprise. I will kind of the opposite of Devon DeBricker. I will saw it heading into it, he will been a little bit higher on my list. And it's not necessarily his fault why he's number nine and so low. There's a few things, like a few different things happened. And this is, I'm talking about Marcus Williams, uh free safety for the new Orleans Saints. Like just a few things. Happen. I think the majority of it is just because so many youths really came to play this season. Like it's not all on Marcus Williams. He He had a fine season, but like, also I think maybe I just had super high expectations for him and, but his season just seemed a little bit underwhelming for me. The Saints have one of the best defenses in the league, and he just—he he made some plays. He—I mean—he intercepted Tom Brady twice. Like, no, no one—not everyone just does that. So he, he's obviously very good. Like he had a good season, but when it comes to ranking, like he—he he was just—he just seemed kind of like he was a good piece. He wasn't anything too spectacular, too special, as some of these other guys on my list are. So kind of surprised I came, came in at nine. His uh, season-long stats were three interceptions, uh seven pass breakups, and then uh 59 total tackles. So, I mean, he played well, put up good numbers, but it, it was just kind of interesting when I was ranking this out how I was very surprised that he went to number nine.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah, it seems like his tackles like have kind of de- de- decreased throughout his first couple years, and then kind of increased slightly this year. But um, does it doesn't seem like he's got the same juice that he did like maybe coming out of college. But like mm-hmm. I don't think he's like washed up or anything. I think we'll we'll see. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, sometimes you get a sophomore slump. Like maybe this is just like um, he kind of had that. Um, maybe his second or third year, but I, I think mm-hmm. he's gonna slowly start producing more and and we'll we'll see um how he does with the Saints with uh possibly a new quarterback from another another school in Utah. So
1: yeah, Oh no, good. is his name going to get brought up on this episode?
0: Oh no. Uh I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what we have time for. But it could it could.
1: let's
0: talk, let's talk some youth and then we'll see what <laughs> we have we'll time see what for. happens. <laughs> yeah
1: so So, uh coming at number eight a rookie i have john penicini the first of many rookies on this list uh he was drafted in the third round this year wasn't a starter right away and i know before the season when i did my youth in the nfl podcast report or article before the season started i kind of mentioned i was like i'm not quite sure how much playing time he'll have like played great. Like, he's obviously a very talented D-tackle, but we just weren't really sure where he was going to be at. He didn't quite have the draft capital to be, like, a guaranteed starter. That third round, kind of, some of them are, some of them aren't. It just kind of depends. But he ended up starting 12 games, and that tackling its own just, I mean, made me want to go up his list. And he was actually a... he became a regular on my top five list, especially kinda of towards the end of the year, uh, which for a guy who didn't start the season, like was very good. His final stats on the season, four tackles for loss, one sack, and then he had thirty five total tackles, nineteen of them solo. And his best game, his best play, he had that kind of game winning, game clinching fumble against Chicago in week twelve. It was it was like late fourth quarter. Bears were up big. The Lions came back. It was at Chicago, and he fort or he like recovered a fumble with I don't even know how much time left, but it, it was not a whole lot of time. And then Detroit was able to pretty much run off the clock and win the game after a huge comeback. So love seeing him be able to play and make make some big plays. Play great. He also like went like he played great, not just on the stats like. You just watched him play D-tackle. He's stuffed the gaps. Played. I mean, he's playing in Detroit. You know, rookies of Detroit normally he kind of struggle, so he definitely broke through with that because Detroit's kind of struggling right now as well. So, John testing, I'm very excited about his future. I know Detroit's future, they're in a full rebuild, so it'll be probably a few years <laughs> before they even can try to get relevant again. But I, I'm excited to see him continue to grow because he played really great and i i knew he was good but he just kind of defied expectations starting 12 games playing great even though it wasn't the best team uh so john Pantini coming in at number eight uh yeah
0: that's awesome and i just want to say um a lot of these rookies um i think they used correct me if i'm wrong but i think they had seven guys drafted and we, we the Aggies did have the one guy in the in the first round, so that's awesome. But I think it's just awesome to see it. I mean the youth had a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side. So John Penasini is one of those guys. I think he was like in one of the middle rounds, like so good good for him for um get, getting some time in his rookie year. Like a lot of rookies just are the water boys, but I mean he he's actually was in there producing, so good for him.
1: Yeah, you you had to throw that subtle brag in there with Jordan Love, Utah. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. For sure. (laughs) This year might be a different story. Yeah, we we shall see. Uh, But then, speaking of that, yes, there's a lot of rookies on the defensive side. So, this next guy is a rookie on the offensive side of the ball. And once again, I feel like I'm pretty much saying all these are surprises, but in a way, a lot of them kind of are, which kind of makes it more fun for me as I make these lists. It's like Zach Moss comes in at number seven. Like Zach Moss, I feel like, was on my top five list just about every week. Like he he missed like every now and then. But like it's weird for him to be at number seven. But like I still think it makes sense because when you look at his end of season totals, 112 rushes, 481 yards. So just a little bit over Devontae Booker, even though he had a lot more rushes or about, like, 20 more rushes, and so 4.3-yard average, four touchdowns. He did have another receiving touchdown, and, like, the numbers, they're not the best, but weren't necessarily his fault. You know, he he battled some injuries, but I'm not here to make excuses with that and the injuries. But, like, the Bills, they just do not run the ball. (laughs) Their offense is super electric, and it's crazy that they can do that without running the ball. Their run game is Josh Allen not being able to throw the ball and, like, running. It's almost like they're playing, like, Madden or the old NTA 14 where you just played what my buddies and I used to call it the Hail Mary offense. You run the Hail Mary every play, and if you have a mobile quarterback, you can either throw it deep or you can just run for, like, 10, 20 yards. It, it kind of reminded me of that, like, not quite as much as Josh Allen isn't running for 10, 20 yards a carry, but they just don't run the ball. Like, he – He had his receiving touchdown week one, and, like, he had some good games. He had a lot of good games, actually. But then he also had a lot of, like, three rushes for, like, eight yards, three rushes for nine yards, four for ten, like, just kind of in that range where, I mean, you can't really blame him because if you're only getting that many carries a game, more than likely you're not getting a whole lot of yardage. And, like, Moss especially, he's the kind of guy – Like he's used to Utah, where he just gets the rock constantly. He's the kind of guy, kind of like a Derrick Henry style, where he just he needs his carries. He's gonna get better as the game goes on. He needs to kind of feel out the defense, and that's just he's not getting in Buffalo, which is kind of unfortunate because he is very he's a very talented guy, as we know. Uh, I wish I would use him a little bit more as a pass catcher. I still think he's better than Devin Singletary, and. We'll see if they try to improve their line a little bit uh, depending next year. Maybe maybe they'll try to run the ball a little bit more because I think Devin Singletary is probably on his way out. Zach Moss is definitely a more talented back. His best game this the season was against New England of all teams. In week five, he, 14 times he got the ball, so a little bit more. Uh, Rushed for 81 yards, two touchdowns. Like, he he's very talented. He just needs to get his carries and – if Buffalo's offense continues how they were this year, it's going to be kind of tough for him to get his carries and get his yardage.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think he's, he's up there. I, I, yeah. I, I think I when I was thinking of the rankings, I was thinking he, he'd be higher on the list, but I think it's just because I know, I we, know he's me a, too. <laughs> we know how good he is. Um, yeah. Being the leading rusher in history, but, um, um, but yeah, I think that that's, Fair, like you can't complain. He's only a rookie, so um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say he definitely had a good year. Like, not taking anything against him. I'm still, I've said on the show multiple times how much I love Zach Moss. Drafted him in fantasy last year. Probably will draft him again this year. Like he's he's good. Like he's fun to watch. It's just I don't know how well Buffalo is when it comes to being a fit. Which I was wrong about that to start the year. Because Buffalo used to be, like, a defense-grounded pound-type team. And I'm like, that's perfect for him. But then they decided to change it up. They got Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen took the next step that I didn't know he was going to take. And he played an MVP-caliber season. So, we'll, it'll be interesting to see going forward. But, I mean, if they can get him going more in the passing game, I know Josh Allen will, uh checked down a whole lot. But, I mean, he'll be productive. And, I mean, he's not going anywhere – That once again, him being number seven, like it's more of a surprise. But it's it's not kind of like where I said with Marcus Williams. not necessarily anything against Zach Moss. It's more all these other guys just played great. And it it made this list very challenging but kind of fun at the same time because this was not the list I thought I was putting together when I ended up putting it together. Yeah. But, well, awesome. Well, who are your other guys you got (laughs) on there? All right, coming to number six, we're we're getting we're getting there. We're moving on down. Coming to number six, this is a guy I wanted to put a little bit higher on the list, and he obviously kind of deserves it. But he's just at one of those positions where it's tough when you're ranking to really put them like super high. And that's Garrett Bowles, left tackle for the Denver Broncos. To start the year, like before the season started, the Broncos declined his fifth year option. Obviously, probably the smart move by the Broncos. He he wasn't bad, but he, he wasn't anything special by any means. Uh, kind of tough to pick up that fifth-year option. So he was literally playing for his career, and he did that and some. He played 1,015 snaps this year. And, Daniel, I, I want you to guess how many sacks he allowed.
0: Um, Let's say – I don't think it's zero. I'm going to say maybe like three at, at the most.
1: Oh, you should have gone with your gut. It was zero. For over a thousand. Okay. He wow. Zero, he allowed zero sacks. That's what I'm saying. For the guys that he considerate... was blocking just could
0: not get to the quarterback. Then just they must have found another another shortcut on the other side or something.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, the Broncos' offense was not anything special this year. But it, it's just insane that he like zero sacks for being a starter like every single game over a thousand snaps. It. Like, it, it's insane. And you're left tackle, too. So, you're normally facing, like, the top edge rusher of the other team. So, he played for it. He deserved what he got, which was a four-year extension mid-season that the Broncos signed him to. And I just remember, I would throw him in my top five every now and then where I'm like, oh, he still has a lot of sacks. He still has a lot of sacks. I had to double-check again, triple-check. I was like, I don't think he ever allowed a sack this year, and he didn't. And he he didn't hurt the team as well either. He was top ten in penalties. He only had seven penalties against him, which was tied for nine out of left tackles. So didn't hurt him as well. and was Just had a fantastic year. Like I said, really want to put him, like, above six. But with him being that lineman, it's kind of tough to put him up uh, above some of the other skilled positions and defensive players. But Garrett Bulls, crazy season, like, I'm so glad the Broncos resigned him or kind of do an extension. And I'm excited to see if he can keep this uh, zero stat streak up. Cause I mean, that, that's, that is honestly insane what he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's amazing. And yeah, he was one of the guys that was high on my list as well. So uh, yeah, I am glad that you mentioned
1: him. Absolutely. But, yeah. All right. Uh, now we're in the top we're five in- now. Wow. In into the top five, we're, we're getting there. And coming at number five, I have Garrett Bowles, a teammate, who's another surprise heading into the season, which I mentioned with Devontae Booker on that fantasy episode way before the season started. And just kind of a name to throw off there. And I've been a Tim Patrick believer for a minute now. And that's exactly number five is Tim Patrick. Before the season started, I said, I was like, he will still be a good contributor for this team, even though they had Corlin Sutton. One person went down with injury uh, before the season. but And they drafted wide receivers with their first two picks, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, who are both very talented. But Tim Patrick's been on the team for, like, three, four years now. He's just being kind of steady and reliable for all of them, just being kind of a good, like, third, fourth option. And he really took you to the next level this year. At like while still being that constant reliable guy, his season stats: fifty-one catches, seven hundred forty-two yards, six touchdowns. I mean, like the Broncos' offense was not exciting at all this year. And even though, like I'm from Missouri, Drew Locke does not seem to be the answer. And uh, the Broncos might be looking for a new quarterback this offseason. Who knows? But he's just these past couple of years, I know there's a little bit of excitement heading into this year because he was like four and one, five and one at the end of the 2019 season. But he's this year was kind of brutal for him. Uh, but I mean, that didn't hurt Tim Patrick's production. Tim Patrick was very reliable. Jerry Judy did come on late in the year and, you know, he had some big games throughout, but I think Tim Patrick was the best wide receiver for the Broncos this season. I don't know when next year, five years from now. But Jerry Judy was very consistent, had a bunch of drops. Tim Patrick was just very reliable. He had three games over 100 yards. His best game came on Monday night against the Jets in week four. It's kind of his coming out party because then after that, he put up another 100-yard game and then just really started having great game after great game. And, I mean, that game he had six catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he – it was really his coming out party and he didn't really slow down much after that so tim patrick another guy he just very like steady and reliable and he he had his games and and actually like produced in an offense that just did not want to move the ball yeah he definitely um was
0: one of the bright spots and like you mentioned he had some pretty good games in there um. Yeah, 119 yards against Miami. That's a good one. Although um, touchdowns. Yeah, he got two touchdowns against the Chiefs. So, so yeah. yeah. I think.
1: Um, he's good in the he nine games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely likes the lights on him. <laughs> so
0: yeah, we have a lot of um Broncos fans out here. So I think it's nice for a lot of those Broncos fans that we follow on on Twitter that um, they they kind of live or die by the Broncos sometimes. Like, I mean, we all know the Utes are always good, but the Broncos have had like their high years. and Now they're, I mean, they're kind of, they're lows, but it's good to see some Utes um, ball out for them.
1: Absolutely. I could not agree more. And all right, we're getting to the top four. This is when it really started to get tough for me just because, I think you know just probably from some of the people that I haven't said yet, at least have an idea of who some of these are. They're all kind of younger guys. It it was tough. I mean, the whole list was tough, especially these four. And coming at number four, I had to put it, Julian Blackman, he he had an amazing rookie campaign, amazing rookie year. But he, he ended up being number four for me. His season stats, two interceptions, six pass breakups, his highlight, a little bit similar to John Tenefini's, but a little different. He had that forced fumble. That was pretty much a game-winning play against Green Bay in Week 11, and they ended up winning 34-31. I'm pretty sure it was a tie game. I think it was 31-31, and the Packers were just trying to run out the clock. And The Packers were up pretty big in this one, but then the Colts came back in the second half. And then uh, Julian Blackman just – laid one on him, a good hit, forced a fumble, Colts recovered, like, deep in Packers territory, kicked the game-winning field goal, just a great play for him. And he's had a lot of big hits. I still remember the Thursday night game against my Titans. He just hit Derrick Henry, like, three yards deep in the backfield and dribbled him backwards. Like, you don't see Derrick Henry go backwards a lot. I mean – it, in my defense, my little Titans rant, Derrick Henry did get his revenge uh, the second game. He kind of ran him over, but still, like, the fact that he did that and played a great game against the Titans, and that that was a brutal one for me. I I was kind of in my sad boy hours after that uh, Thursday night loss, but I was not doing black and had a great game, and he just had such a great year. He had three tackles for loss, one of those being the Derrick Henry one, Forty two tackles, thirty five solo. Like Julian Blackman, he fell in the draft because of injuries. He I mean, he's a first round talent. He really is. He the Colts got him in the third round. What a steal for them. He's gonna have a great career. He's one of those young guys, like the you have a ton of young guys in the league this year, either rookies or kind of a, have been in the league in a couple of years. And Julian Blackman is one of the ones that is just very exciting to watch. Even though he is a division rival for me,
0: yeah, definitely. And I, I remember there was a couple big plays, like the interception. And I can't remember if he had a pick six, but he had, um, but he did have a big interception. And it, it's always cool to see the youths like get those big plays in the NFL. Um, when you see them get some love on Twitter and just in the highlights, it's good to see.
1: Yeah, it's always great. I, I love seeing it. And you know, the high Sports we, we uh we give some shout outs as well. So if you're on the stuff about following, you know. <laughs> keep that in mind. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then uh coming in at number three for me is the guy that everyone's gonna compare him to. uh is gonna compare him to uh Blackman just because same class. Not nah, uh it's a little bit different position, but they're both in the secondary. And that's Jalen Johnson, the other rookie. I had to give him the edge over Blackman. It, it was close, but he he just stuck out a little bit more to me. He was targeted 78 times. Give him a complete percentage of 56%, which is pretty good. Um, but the biggest stat for him, he did not have any interceptions, but he had 15 pass breakups, which is over one like pass breakup per game, which is – Insane for a rookie because he only played 13 games due to injuries. Finished the season with 44 tackles, 34 of that being solo, one tackle for loss, and he had to play against a lot of great receivers. And he looked like a veteran from literally week one. Like Jalen Johnson just played great. He couldn't finish off the season because of injuries, unfortunately, but he's another guy. Like I'm very excited to watch him and him and Blackman just. Continuing to grow in the league, and Jalen Johnson's only going to get better. Julian Blackman's only going to get better. Uh, it, it's fun to watch all these. I mean, we said RBU of the West. It's it looking like DBU of the West as well, <laughs> just because they have so many. And I mean, I, I think it's going to continue with some of the ones they have on their current roster. But Jalen Johnson, I can't say enough how just how great he played. And He literally looks like a veteran. And when you put him on that great Bears defense, like he is – I think people really try to target him early on in the year, just with him being a rookie and they're like, well, I'm not going to attack Kyle Fuller. So, oh, I'll attack this rookie that they just got. And, yeah, that that did not work for them very well. So very excited about Jalen Johnson as well. He came in at number three for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's a good one. I'm still waiting for him to get his first interception. But, yeah, all those all those uh, pass deflections are insane. And I remember earlier in the season we talked about how some guy just wrecked him, but then he kind of got the last laugh and was able to help the Bears win a lot earlier in the season. So, good for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, they will come. The interceptions will come. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's just he's too talented to not have them. And, like, he, those pass breakups, like, they're – to me, it, it's kind of a weird – thing, but like, I I value pass breakups more than I value interceptions. There are some interceptions that are just insane, like great plays, but there's also a good amount that interceptions that are just kind of, you know, bad throws, bad routes, slips, like a lot can have pass breakups is pretty much every time it's you're right there on the wide receiver. So I know we talked about that a little bit earlier when we kind of debated the Julian Blackman. Jalen Johnson thing, which I think is gonna be a pretty much a thing we're gonna to have to discuss year in, year out, just because once again they came out same class, and they're just both so talented. Both first round talented, and none of them got drafted in the first round. I, I don't get that, but they both found great fits with great defenses, so you can't complain too much.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um okay, so we're down to the final two. I mean, I'm interested to see yeah, who's it gonna be? Who's gonna be the yeah. top spot?
1: I will say number two. This was probably my biggest surprise, honestly, just because he's kind of he's kind of forgotten when it comes to I think youth in the NFL. Not necessarily in a bad way, but just there's a lot of like younger guys. There's a ton of younger DBs, and when I first kind of started letting this out, he was more kind of you know the bottom five of the list. But I, I started looking at stats more and I started thinking about more and I was like, no look, he's got to be moved up and then also he moved his way all the way up to number two, which like I said, I'm hundred percent okay with this. And it that is Eric Rowe. Defensive back for the Dolphins. Like he and kind of one thing about Eric Rowe that I thought was interesting, I thought he was a whole lot older than he actually was. I know like he didn't graduate that long ago. Uh, or, like, get drafted that long ago from Utah. But I think it's just because maybe he's been on three teams already. But he's only 28. Like, he'll still be in the league for a while. He can still get better, like, especially on a great Dolphins defense too. A lot of these youths are on great defenses, uh, which is great for them. But, I mean, they also contribute to why they're such good defenses. I mean, he played in every game, started 14 of them, had two interceptions, 11 pass breakups a bubble recovery, 91 total tackles, 66 solo, tacked for a loss, two QB hits. Like, he's a true defensive back. He plays a little bit more safety now. He kind of came into the league as a corner. But he literally plays all over the Dolphins love to move him around. Like, I did not expect him to be at number two, but he was steadily on my top five list, and he did actually have a number one finish. So I think it's very well-deserved for someone who's, a, kind of forgotten at times, but Eric Rowe, he, I mean, 91 combined tackles, like two interceptions, 11 pass breakups, bubble recovery. Like, he does it all. And the Dolphins' defense really was one of the top defenses, definitely top five, probably top three. Their defense was insane all around, and they're only going to get better. And like I said, he's only 28. I I thought he was probably in his 30s. And that's my bad. But I think it's just because he was on three teams. But, because it's very impressive for a guy that young to be on his third team. Uh, but I, I was kind of excited about it just because it was kind of a different pick. I did not expect it all. But Eric Rowe has been nothing but great since he came to the league. And I I love him coming in at number two.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I can't remember him on his um, Tom Brady days. um there's mm-hmm. so I I'm trying to remember how many Super Bowls he's won, but there was one Super Bowl I think the Eagles they lost, and he kind of got blamed for it because uh, like Malcolm Butler that uh-huh. um that, that Belichick decided to bench him and then Eric wrote it okay, but I mean, um it's just hard to replace him and so he got some crap for it. But I think by and large, yeah, he's he's a great defender and definitely deserves to be high on this list. But that's one name that I kind of. Uh, forgot about when I, like you said, sometimes it's easy to forget um, someone like him that's just quiet and goes about his work and, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I know, I think that's kind of part of the reason why he ended up moving to safety. Uh, Excuse me. A little bit more, and he just, I don't know, like, he is more of a safety, but I mean, he plays all over the field as well, so very versatile player, and just gets the job done, and gets it done very well. So, except for him to be at number two, and number one, we're here, the number one in the NFL of the 2020 season, I mean, it, it's Alex Smith. It, it, it's It's got to be. <laughs> I mean, like, I I honestly, part of me was, I was a little hesitant. Like, I wasn't quite sure if I really wanted to put him at number one. The story's insane. It's incredible. But his staff ran, I think, too crazy. And I tried to, you know, kind of focus on, like, in-game stats, tried to focus on impact. So I, I wasn't fully sure. He was going to be up there for sure, but I wasn't quite sure if I won him at number one as, like, kind of bad that sounds. But I was trying to be as, you know, impartial as I could, despite his absolutely incredible story, which I've talked about and will continue to talk about, and I love talking about it. But his staff on the year is 66.7% completion percentage. You know, but all right, you know. Not not bad by any means. He had 1,582 yards, six touchdowns, eight interceptions in his eight games, so that touchdown-interception ratio is nothing too crazy. He didn't have a whole lot of help. You know, his O-line was not very good. But the stat that really truly solidified Smith being number one for me. It was the fact that in his – he played in eight games, but he had six starts, and he was five and one in those starts. Without Alex Smith, the Washington football team does not make the playoffs. Without him, like, they don't even have a shot at winning the NFC East. And, I mean, the Washington football team, like, they're a solid team, but without Alex Smith turning it around and going 5-1, and one, like, they they don't get the finish that they really had. And even though Alex Smith didn't play in the playoffs, like, wild card weekend, they played very close to the Bucks. They lost by eight points. Like, I – I think they were. That was the closest game the Bucks played in the postseason. Was against Taylor Heineke and the awesome XFL story. But Alex Smith, you know what he's gone through? Absolutely incredible. And it's only fitting that he's number one. Even though I tried to, you know, make sure I didn't just put him at number one just because, like he he's it's fully deserving it, and it's only right. Like his what he came back from how he played because he played well and you don't go five and one as a starter unless you know what you're doing. So it just fantastic. Can't say enough about Alex Smith. He has to be number one, just fantastic season for him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I mean, it is a moving story. I don't want to say it's like a legacy pick, but, but um, and, and I won't because I mean, like you, like you said, after you said a person, you said his name. I mean, yeah, I knew he, I was expecting him at some point in the list. Um, but, but yeah, um, he he got him there to to the playoffs. I know that maybe didn't end how he wanted it to, but just to be able to finish the season in one in one piece, <laughs> um, for yeah, lack of yeah. a better term. But yeah, absolutely. So so that's just amazing that he was able to do that, and he just. Definitely should be the comeback. I know they do that award sometimes the comeback player of the year, but yeah by and large I, I really like your your list um I think I still need to do a little more work on on it um when we're a little bit out of time for it, so I guess we we won't be able to dang it, we won't be able to talk you um cougars aggies or Wildcats. Oh, the don't but
1: Oh, how, how'd that happen? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but at least we have the youths, and, and yeah, I definitely kind of want to go back. I think there's at least five youths I saw in here that could, could probably make the, the top ten because there's just strength in numbers, right? You guys just got so many youths in the NFL that, that yeah, the Aggies and, and Cougars, Weber, even Weaver State, they have some good – um a couple of good players here and there. But, yeah, the youths just have – so many of them, So there's that, I mean, when you have that many, there's bound to be a lot in the top 10. So uh, yeah, awesome. and it is.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think like it's a super exciting time for the youth in the NFL, I think as well. And I think it's only going to get better just maybe not necessarily this next year. Cause there's a situation where a lot of them are returning and not as many people are going into the or There might not be as many new rookies, but I mean, all these young guys, they're heading into the year two, year three, year four, where they're only going to get better. And I guess it's super exciting. And it's its a total reflection of the program that Coach Whittingham is hes running. That's what he's doing. And there's, like, the youth, they have a ton of, like, veterans, but they have a bunch of young guys as well, like Clark Phillips III, at cornerback, all oh, their quarterback with Cam Rising, Peter Costelli, like, there's a lot of future NFL talent that's on their current roster as well. So it's, it's only going to get better. The youth program, I feel like, gets better every year, even though this year was kind of an up-and-down season. Like it's, it, it's an exciting time. and that, Like I said, it was a tough list for me. I have a few honorable mentions as well that I just want to touch on real quick, just because I, I can't not name them because it was tough. We have Cody Barton, who's mostly a special teams guy for Seattle. He has so many big hits. He's so fun to watch on kickoffs and stuff because he just always just is ready to hit someone and just plays great whenever he gets on the field at linebacker as well. Uh, Jablon Guidry, uh he, th- he doesn't get a whole lot of love because he plays for the Jets and they had a pretty tough year, but he had four forced fumbles this season and he at the Combine, like, he ran a four two nine forty, So he's an athlete. The Jets are rebuilding, but he's going to be a piece there for a little bit, and I think he's only going to get better. Uh, Mick Swishnowski, a punter, he made my top five list a couple times. He played great. And then uh, Terrell Burgess, he, he looked great but had a bad ankle injury that unfortunately ended the season early. But that it's just an exciting time. And there's other guys as well that have oh, played yeah, well, lucky, and made my list. Oh, yeah, a
0: lucky folks too, right?
1: Exactly, he's up there, and I I came even throw him one of my honorable mentions, and he's a super talented guy who's only going to get better. It's it's a time time for the youth, and honestly, for I mean Utah State, for BYU, even uh, even Weber State. Uh, I I can't think of his name right now. I'm blanking on Karen, it. But, Karen yeah, exactly. I, I'm sorry for blanking on that, but yeah, he had that pick six against the Ravens that really helped clinch the game. Like the whole state of Utah is. Really get there with sports, and I love to see it.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome, and and yeah, I, I love love seeing how the youth do, and hopefully they keep um the current youths keep building the program and making them better. And they do, then we'll just keep getting more guys that put them in the NFL. Yeah, I cannot wait. <laughs>
1: uh, but that I mean that will do it. It was a very fun episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, Dan, for coming on. You are always welcome. Maybe next time we'll uh, squeeze in a little bit of time for your. Oh yeah. Uh, not not well, you. Know, I, I'll, I'll I, I like you know, I I am a youth. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I consider myself a Ute fan now. So so you know to end the podcast, oh, I, I, I mean, you. I was. <laughs> oh yeah. So I mean, I, I was gonna like end it with a go Aggies, but instead, you know, I think I'm gonna um end it say, uh, go Utes. Go, Go
1: you. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Scoop Saturday. And once again, Dan, you can say it one more time.
0: Go, you.